keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourself, no matter how wonderfully perverted they are. Listen to the outro if you want to know how to connect and enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we delight in practicing sharing dirty details so we can discover our desires and prepare to talk pleasure with our partners, all in an effort to make the world a more loving place. Our guest today is a 26-year-old bisexual cisgender female. She's originally from India, but currently lives in Europe. She's in a long-term relationship of four years and is into light BDSM, especially being restrained, lightly choked, and is interested in impact play. Maybe she's autosexual. We're going to talk about that. And she has a brat and princess kink. Welcome, Mara. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Can you start off by telling our listeners, on your sexual shame-o-meter today, with 10 being the most full of shame and one being shameless, where do you fall today? We can get into this a little bit more, but right now, in this moment, I'm like, oh, one. <sighs> Great. Okay. Are there moments where you are higher? Mostly after a party. <laughs> but if at any given point in my life you were to ask me where I am in my on my sexual shame meter, I would tell you like a one or a two. I personally, I don't have much shame, only joy when it comes to sex. Uh, the only times I have shame or embarrassment is when I overshare. And then I feel like, oh, no, I, I embarrass myself or someone else uh, by talking about sex. Okay. Because I feel like sometimes I get very excited. And then I remember, oh, shit, other people have these specific boundaries or they don't like to talk about these things. And then I have to drain it back in, but then it's too late because I already said, like, dildo or something. <laughs> I can relate to all of that. Yep. <laughs> okay. And can you just give us a little overview of what your sex life is like right now? At this current moment, I live away from my partner. But that's not for long. We're going to move in together pretty soon. So that's exciting. Great. In the last eight months, I saw three, four times. And each time it was pretty fulfilling. I feel like my sex life is really, it gets me there, whatever there means in that, in that moment for me. But I'm just always really happy sexually when I'm having sex. Of course, right now we're living apart. So it's kind of like I go through this whole range of emotions regarding sex because yeah. it's like, hmm, I'm so horny. But masturbation is so boring right now. I don't feel like it. Or like, I'll, I'll be horny. I don't want to masturbate because it also brings along like feelings of sadness. Mm, mm -hmm. Okay. Or like we won't be horny on the same time scale, and then that's a little awkward. Yeah. If we're together, everything is perfect and beautiful and just all the fucking. And then if I'm by myself, then I just I can't think anymore. I get in bed and I'm like, oh, what? I I should probably masturbate, right? I'm in bed. It's it's time. And then I'm just I, I just have so many like kind of awkward feelings around it. Okay. That's sort of the long term. Okay, I'm going to totally go out of order and ask you a question that's like a little bit earlier, but you said maybe autosexual, and my understanding of autosexual is someone who's maybe sexually attracted to themselves slash sometimes prefers masturbation to partnered sex. So like what part, how are you understanding it? So autosexual is a word that I only sort of learned by Googling around this thing of like being turned on by yourself. Oh, cool. The way I see it, it's not a vanity thing and it's not a self-care thing. It's just that if I were to close my eyes and imagine myself having sex with a woman, she would look a lot like me and she would behave a lot like me, you know? Uh, yeah, I do. And I think a part of that is because, um, like, behaviorally, I'm kind of like a sponge. I see someone I think is cool or sexy and I'll just sort of try to emulate that. And yeah. so the way I see myself, I am kind of this culmination of everyone that I think is sexy. I love that. 
Yeah, so like this version of me that lives in my head is really sexy to me and sort of the only uh, fictional woman I can imagine. That's who turns me on automatically. Of course, there's other beautiful women in the world that like do it for me. But if I close my eyes and I'm and I'm wanting to masturbate, I like to imagine a situation where there's someone going down on me and then she looks up and it's me. <laughs> That's like my thing. I love that. I literally, I have so many clone fantasies. Not all of them. Most of them are not sexual, but I'm like, yeah, they would obviously be invited to the orgy. I have clone fantasies about work. Like I imagine a clone for like all of my different arts and like one just for email and one just for sleeping and like one for sex all the time, but they have a, the shared consciousness. So, okay. And then can you tell our listeners also, how do you define sexy? Or how do you understand sexy? You kind of gave us a little hint, but say more about the word sexy and how you think about it. What makes me think of the word sexy is that everything has to fall into place, you know? Like, you know when something fits perfectly and then sort of it does something to you physically? For me, it's like I have I get this little glittery feeling in my stomach and my chest and my neck. I don't know. So it could be something completely non-sexual. But then you see it happen, something perfectly flowing or fitting, and you're just like, yeah, that's sexy. And I think that that also happens with sex. You know, when everything is just right, that's just so sexy to me. And then on the social scale, like when I think a person is sexy, it's just they are so unafraid. Yeah. Not being burdened by fear, I guess is the best way to put it. It's just so unabashedly sexy. You, you can just kind of tell. Like when you see someone who is so open and unburdened, it's just like, yeah, they're probably really hot. So I would say the sexiest version of me is the one that fits in place with everything and is also completely unburdened. Mm. Okay, now take us back to your early years. When do you first remember hearing about sex and what do you remember thinking or feeling about it? I don't know, that's kind of hard to say. For, for context, I have very early memories of being intrigued by my body. And even before I knew what sex was, I was just so into the idea of, pleasure you know like like as a child i didn't know what kissing or anything was maybe like five years old and i was just like being naked is great like look at my body it's just all there and these are my feet and these are my hips and these are my hands and this has been the the context of my relationship with my body for a long time and so at some point i was just like what more can you do with this around the age of 10 or something started learning swear words started having uh, access to the internet. I remember putting into the search bar www.bitch.com just because swear word internet. I didn't know what I was expecting, but it was porn. And I was like, oh no, this is so much. I, I, I don't know. This is a lot and it's probably bad. I don't remember if anyone ever told me like, oh, naked people are bad. But like, I just remember like this experience and then having this huge flare up of panic. And then I spent a long time thinking about it, you know, like, I like nakedness, nudity, and I like all the things that your body can do. I think they're so wonderful. And I know there's something else that you can do with your body, or at least like, I imagine there is. And I sort of made some tenuous connections with that, with bitch.com and these weird feelings. Eventually, you know, I did, I did discover porn and everything, but at first it was panic and then it was like wait why should i be panicked about this okay. there's something i want to know it's got to do with bodies and i'm curious so that was sort of my cycle amazing 
And then what was the vibe in your household like? Like, did your family talk about sex at all? Did you hear about anything in school? No, I don't think my parents have ever talked to me about sex. I know I've spoken to my sister about it before, but very offhand, very casually. You know, like, I've never had anyone give me the talk. I know a lot of your guests say this, but I'm sort of just another uh, one of those people. It's just no one ever gave me the talk. And I think I may have been the first person in my age group to talk about sex. Mm. I'm sure people were discovering it at the same time, but I think they had more shame around it than I did. Mm. And the fact of the matter was that no one ever told me to be ashamed. So I wasn't. Uh It wasn't a good thing either, but you know, I guess we're a little awkward. So no one ever said like, hey, listen, this is bad. So just, I didn't know. And then I, I would talk to others like, oh, you know, I think I remember discussing bikinis once when I was like much younger and they were like kids around my age were like, we can't talk about that because those ladies are like basically naked. Yeah, I was always the person bringing up things that sounded sexual or things that were like too old for us. Interesting. The first time I was in a space where I was having sex and so were other people around me, I think I was already in Europe. Okay. So I think from the age of 12 onwards, I was always like the person introducing the concept of sexual things to my peers. And what was the feeling that you got back from them? Was it a lot of that, like, oh, we can't talk about almost naked ladies? Or was there, like, curiosity? Or what do you remember? Were you, like, sharing knowledge? Or were you, like, trying to have conversations and getting shut down? I would say it was more on the side of getting shut down. Okay. Because, like I said, I think my peers were often coming from family backgrounds with more shame than me. Okay. And I I assumed they were told that, you know, this is bad or something like this. And so I would say, like, oh, but, you know... They're just naked or semi-naked ladies. There's nothing bad about that. And there was just this sort of flare-up of panic within the classroom. And then it would be like, you know what Mara did? She was like, uh, she, she was talking about this and that. It, was like, but it, it took me a long time to understand that people didn't want to talk about it. Mm. And then sort of regulate my curiosity about sex so that it wouldn't come up around other people. And I think that's something I still struggle with a little bit. Totally. I, I have friends today who were the first people who responded positively to me talking about sex. I wasn't trying to giggle about it. I did want to have conversations and talk about other people's experiences. And it happens so rarely that uh, those people that I did talk to end up being friends with me because, yeah, they were as open-minded. Yeah. Okay, so was bitch.com like your sex ed or did you get any sort of formal education around sexual things at any point? We briefly lived in America when I was like, 12-ish. Okay. This was like just middle of nowhere, Kentucky. So you have to understand it was like abstinence only sex. Yeah. We had this one program, this one like older lady come in once and said this program saying, let's have the best sex ever. And I was like, wow, America is so cool. (laughs) She proceeded to tell us, just don't do it. You know, if you're wanting to kiss people, maybe that's okay, but don't make out with them and don't touch their genitals. Don't do anything and save it until marriage because marriage is the only appropriate context for sex. And then she just sort of left. (laughs) Even then, I really wanted to reject it because I was already starting to sort of explore the internet. And what I was lacking in a formal sex education from people with qualification, I got this overload of sex ed on the internet. A lot of it was really bad, but some of it was really good. Okay. Because... I know I talk about consent a lot with people, which I love, but consent is something I learned about really early, hmm. just online. You know, maybe I didn't apply it 
super great to my own life. But one of the earliest things I learned about sex was really that, you know, everyone should be okay and comfortable and no one should feel like they're forced to say yes. Yes. Of course, that was coming in with a lot of just other stuff, but it stuck with me. So I would say like things like the uh, the blogs run by Cosmopolitan yeah. are often like um, ways to make your mind blow his mind or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those lists were great for me back then, but around then there would always be a little information like, hey, but make sure you never do anything that you're uncomfortable with. And that really sunk in mm. along with like, Oh, if you suck on an ice cube, in that case, you're not an ice cube. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> Which also is fun. I, I never understood how that would work because, you know, I just I couldn't imagine yeah. being with another person. I was quite young at the time, but I yeah. was, the only thing that stuck with me was like, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Mm. I guess that was my key sex ed. Cosmopolitan, let's have the best sex ever, and bitch.com. <laughs> and like... A lack of shame because nobody told you to be shamey. Here's a question. Do you feel like your family is less shame-filled than the people you grew up around? Or was it just like because they didn't talk about it, you just didn't get the message that you should have shame? You know, I think it might be a little bit of both. I mm. think my, my family is a little bit more progressive than the people around me. But not so much that they could freely talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that we're all quite awkward as people within my family. So we don't want to talk about anything that would, you know, be uncomfortable. But there's also the the vibe that, you know, it's fine. If you really have to talk about it, we can. Okay. We're not like, we're not going to be mad. Okay. Which is something. That's totally something. So when did you start exploring your own body? Again, I think it came in phases. Like I told you, I was very, very young when I was, you know, really aware of my body. I think I was like, Five the first time I kissed someone. It was my best friend. And we were like, oh, we've seen people doing this on TV. Do you want to like try it? And we were both so like excited about what these things you do with your body. Yeah. And of course, we didn't understand anything about being turned on. We were five. Yeah. But we were like, oh, yeah, we should kiss. And then we'll just rub it away really, really quickly. So no one will know. And so, yeah, I guess I, I knew what, what a kiss was uh-huh. from them. And then I remember when I was like, Around seven, eight, I used to read these novels set in boarding school in England. Then had these characters that were like the same age as me. And there was nothing even remotely romantic. But in my brain, I imagined it entirely. I imagined this whole power dynamic between them. I'd be in the shower, I'd be naked. And then I'd be like, in my head, there's these two characters. And they're naked. I didn't know what they would do. But I knew that there was something to do with power and nakedness and whatever it is that people do when they're naked. And then I think I must have been 12-ish when I first discovered, you know, also in the shower, just like when water hits your clitoris, it's just like, what, what? what's happening? <laughs> With that, I mean, before that, I had all this theoretical knowledge on sex, you know, because of all of these online resources. And I was like, well, that never happens to me. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what they're talking about when mm. they talk about China. Okay. I didn't know, you know, what to look for. But yeah, the first time I felt something, I was like, wait. I think I know what that blog post was talking about. Okay. So must have been around 12. And then at this point, I had a brief stint in boarding school. Then when I came back, I had my own bedroom and it was amazing. I had all this privacy. Yeah. And like my family's being super nice to me because they missed me. <laughs> I'd go to bed and then I, when I knew everyone was asleep, I'd just be like, okay, I know what I read online. 
I know that if you touch this and push that and then put this inside this, it, it should be fun. It should be good. Yes. I remember the first thing that I ever inserted inside of my vagina was a pen. And I was like, this must feel good. I don't, why do they do this? Was it just that? Like there was no other touching? You just like inserted it like just to test? Well, no, I, I, I remember that I was already feeling wetness okay. because of the online resources. I knew that that's something that happens to women that when they're horny, then they get wet and get hard. This is like a thing that I learned also quite early. And I was like, okay, I know what happens next. Penetration, not a word I knew at the time. Yeah. Or maybe I did, but not in the context of sex. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find an object that's kind of longish and see what happens. I guess this is what comes next. And then I was just like, well, maybe, maybe <laughs> this is it. I don't know. And I spent a long time trying to convince myself that I was having a good time, you know, because like the blogs online, they tell you that sex is amazing yeah. and you will have a good time if you follow these 10 tips. And I did follow the 10 tips and I was like, well, I don't feel anything, but this is what it must be because uh, they said I'll feel great. So I guess this is what feeling great means. Spoiler, it was, I, I learned later. And then how, yeah, how did you learn? Like, what was the evolution? So it sounds like you had these feelings in the shower and then you were like, there must be something more. So when do you feel like you really started like getting the feelings? Yeah. I mean, like you said, I didn't connect the good feeling of water against clitoris with all of the sort of the pre-masturbation that I was sort of trying out. Yeah. I just didn't realize that they were connected, even though, you know, well, they're the same bits of the body. I guess eventually I must have had some experience where I was like, wait, I don't need water activated, you know, I can just sort of touch it with my hands and must have been maybe a year or so later between my first experience with the water and this stint, I, I did go to boarding school. So mm -hmm. there's no privacy there, of course. Oh yeah. And then when I came back, I was like, all the privacy. So I could just try out a bunch of things over time. I was just like, well, yeah, I don't need the water. I can just sort of touch this and you know move that see what happens uh eventually i did end up having my first orgasm and then I, I couldn't stop i was literally doing it every possible opportunity i could from ages like 14 to 16 it was just the moment i had a just like time to myself here i go amazing and can you tell us just the details of your actual vagina, clitoris, vulva, everything that it likes and enjoys? Like, how do you like to masturbate today now? And like, have you noticed an evolution over the years? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, like I was saying earlier, I had convinced myself that the online resources are right. And my, what my body is saying is wrong. But I was doing all the things that they said online with the pen and the, the water and everything. And it was okay, but it wasn't what I wanted. And today, I know I've heard you talk about the Satisfier on your podcast before. Yeah. I have one, and it literally lies under my pillow. <laughs> it's just always on hand. Yep. I have very little self-control with it because sometimes I'll just turn it up to the highest level. Mm. Do you have like a pulsar one, or what shape is it? It's the one with the, I think it's called the air something. Yeah. And yeah, air pulse. little suction thing. Okay. You can handle the like full force of that? Yes, but okay. not for very long. Okay. Like... I'll turn it on and then I'll get impatient. Mm. Ten seconds later, I'll have like sort of an unsatisfying orgasm. And I'll be like, well, wasted that. Oh. And then I'll just start over, like wait for it to cool down and I'll start over. And like, so first I'll do like an emergency one and then I'll do like a loving one. <laughs> That's amazing. So you can, you can come over and over. 
yeah, that's actually been something really that my body's been really friendly to me about over the last couple of years. That's awesome. It takes maybe two minutes for the swelling in my clitoris to go down enough that's not too sensitive to touch anymore. Wow. But I feel like I'm the only one that knows exactly like where to touch it. You know, yeah. like once I've had an orgasm, I have to move like the position of the satisfier. Oh yeah. Higher than the actual clitoris, but above. Yep. But then it's also kind of touching, but not. And then I try to move it further and further up. Yeah. To see how far I can move it before it stops being sensitive. Yeah. And how far? Like, do you get to skin skin? Or are you still in the like, like not on top of the skin, but like still in, but above the clit? Yeah. Like I start directly over the hood. Uh-huh. I, I've never been able to like pull back the hood and then put the put the satisfier over it. No, That's just I could not. I could not do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I've made it all the way to like, like the, the very bottom of the pubic bone. Okay. You know, like even yep. where the, the wetness begins. Totally. But that's only when it when I've lasted for like hours. Yeah, yeah, then. when it's really sensitive. Yeah, that's so cool. Have you played with the app at all? I'm that's my current obsession is like because I have such a sensitive clit that like I start on like the really low settings and I do the finger thing and then like you can make waves and make it bigger and bigger. But I still can't get to the top. Like I can't do that. I can get close to it for just a second. But have you played around? Like that's just like my current. Like it's actually a treat. Not to do extra free ads for them, but. Yeah, no, the other toy that I have is another satisfier. Oh, so I guess this is not an ad. <laughs> That's the one that, like, it's sort of U-shaped. And mm-hmm. one end goes inside the vagina, and then one, one end goes over the clitoris. Yeah. And then both of them have the vibrating bits. Yeah. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I remember you talking about connecting to Spotify and playing uh, Breeze Blocks on it. Yep. And I tried it after I heard that episode. I tried it. It's a great song. <laughs> it's a great song. I still have never come to a song, but like it's like a fun way for me to get turned on. Did you come to it? I don't think so. Yeah. I I do struggle with like if I'm having sex with a partner or my partner, then it's really easy for me to come with penetration and extra stimulation. Mm. But if I'm by myself, it really has to be just clitoris. Yeah. Because somehow it feels like if there's also penetration, if I'm by myself, there's too much to focus on. Okay. Yeah, it just feels like the penetration is bothering me somehow, okay. hindering my, my orgasm. Interesting. Ooh, I will be curious to see if and how that evolves throughout your life. So if you ever care to report in the future, because that's really cool to notice. Okay, so jumping back now, what were your first partnered explorations like? How did those happen once you started touching yourself? Like, how did your sexual life progress? So I guess... It gets a little dark here, but then it gets better, I promise. Okay. My, my first partner was also my first girlfriend, and that was just not good. Neither of us knew how to date. Neither of us knew anything about how to be, like, partners. And so a lot of the sexual contact was also just kind of like, like power games almost. Like, well, if you leave me, then no one will have sex with you, and you want to keep having sex, right? Oh. It was sort of like this dynamic and it was really really toxic how old were you 16 okay yeah that didn't last very long but she was my first kiss and then we also tried some other stuff but not really like we did a little fingering and everything but neither of us was really sure what happens next yeah yeah i guess we weren't in like a loving environment so we weren't like oh what do you like what do you want to try they're just like i saw this thing and i'm gonna do it to you and then it's gonna be great and these were all imperative statements Mm. None of these were questions and explorations. So, yeah, it wasn't good, but it was still sex. And that was the exciting part for me. 
I was so pleased to finally, you know, be old enough to do the thing, to have the sex. Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like this thing I've been waiting for all my life. And I was like, again, this is my body. It does this thing. It has these parts that are made just to make me feel good. How beautiful is that, right? Yeah. And so because I was getting sex and also because I was getting, you know, the validation of knowing someone wanted to have sex with me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess when you're 16, you, you don't really know better. I didn't speak. It was a bad, bad situation. But we were just like, oh, yes, we'll just keep touching each other's genitals. And then, I don't know, get married or something. Right. Who knows? Right. So that was sort of the uncomfortable beginning to my partner experiences. And then it gets, again, a little worse because the first time I was ever with a boy, it was, I, I guess, I wasn't really happy with the idea of dating because of this ex-girlfriend of mine. And so there was this neighbor who was like, yeah, we hung out once or twice. And he was like, do you want to kiss? And I was like, you're not really being very flirty, but I guess kissing is nice. We, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. And then that very quickly progressed into like a lot of touching, but he didn't know anything. And still, I, neither did I. So it was a lot of like, I should be touching him, but he wouldn't touch me at all. Mm. Like not, not even to hold me to kiss me or anything. And again, I was just like, this is very uncomfortable for me, but everything online says you should be having a great time with the yeah. kissing and the touching. Why isn't it good? Yeah. Yeah, things went very sour with this person very quickly after. Just a lot of like drama. What happened after this was I was launched into a phase of where I, I wanted to have sex just as much as I could because this person hurt me pretty badly. Mm. I guess the most delicate way to put it was my, it was my first instance of sexual assault and then I was just I guess the only way I knew to recover from it was like to take it back. You know, it was like what you did does not make me a slut because I choose to have sex. You You can't fire me, I quit. Right. Yeah, so that launched me into just wanting sex all the time to prove that it wasn't something that I had lost to this person. Mm -hmm. That led to some slightly unhappy decisions, I'd say. Let's take it out of the realm of judgment because I don't know that it, like it's part of our experience and we're just learning, but tell us literally what happened but launched you into like a a time of lots of sex perhaps and you can tell us why you decided it was unhealthy for you but but I want to just hear the specifics yeah so with both of these partners before that were both that I wasn't super happy with I hadn't actually had sex with them so I met someone a friend of a friend who was like yeah I want to have sex and I was like what crazy I also want to have sex so went to his house one time when his parents weren't there mm-hmm. and we finished a very tiny bottle of vodka and we were like aha we are such grown-ups we are going to drink the alcohol and have the sex uh-huh. and it was bad but i convinced myself it was good with the same context wait what was the bad part the sex was bad yeah i i would say so because like when i looked at my breasts the next day they were like green and purple because this person thought that, like, what is sexy is just literally chewing on them. Oh. And it was just so horrible. And I was looking at them later, like, that can't have been what all of the resources are saying. This is, there's no way this is good and right. And then he ghosted me. Oh, really? Yeah. Did it hurt? Do you remember? No, I, I don't know that it hurt much worse than I could bear in that moment. Okay. I think I was okay with it for the most part. I just remember that for all of that, and then the very, like, 
I guess you could call it mediocre sex. Like after it was just sort of like, oh, this is it. The, mm. This is what they mean when, you know, with the penetration. It's not doing anything for me. Yeah. But yeah, I tried to convince myself that I had had a great time. Okay. The unfortunate thing is I also told everyone around me, like my friends who knew that I was going to be having sex and they was like, it was great. I had mm. so much fun. And then eventually it got better because eventually I started being a little bit more honest with myself, you know, also with partners saying like, this is what I enjoy. This is what I don't enjoy in very rudimentary words in that, you know, instead of saying it, I would hint at it gently and then hint at it heavily and then sort of do these very awkward texts because I could not say it in person. Like what? Oh, really? It would be like, hey, so you remember that? thing that we were doing we wouldn't mention sex I, I don't even know why like I had all the privacy my phone was my phone so I would be, hey you know the thing that we were doing and then like about 10 minutes in you did this thing to my uh literally uh in the text I don't want to do that next time okay and then I would wait for the partner to text me what do you mean by uh and then I would say well when you bit my shoulder or whatever you know yeah. like I don't remember if that was ever specifically a thing, but that is how I would approach these things. Where I would just sort of ease into a conversation okay. in a way that was okay for me and then wait for them to put forth a little bit, you know, say, oh, what do you mean? What do you want to talk about? But I was also very uncomfortable with the notion that a partner might get upset mm. because at this point, if someone wanted to have sex with me, then I felt so validated, mm. you know? That was something that I was really careful about at the time and something I'm still working to break free of, to be more communicative around sex. Okay. Are you able to talk with your partners in person now or are you still sending awkward text messages? I would say that it's gotten a lot better, but it still takes a lot of courage in the sense that with my partner now, if I know I want to have a conversation about sex, I have to line up the words in my mind for literally hours in advance. Okay. I'll be like, well, you know, I want to talk about this specific thing and how am I going to talk about it? And if I say this, and how do I think he'll react? And then how do I feel about that potential reaction? Will it embarrass me or will I be okay with it? I spend way too much time thinking about how I'll talk about it. And then eventually it just comes out in a rush of words. But at least it's, you know, it's a physical conversation now. Okay. But the nice thing is at this point, my partner is also very understanding and he's also a little... He's not shy per se, but he's a little uncomfortable around just saying words like penis and vagina because it's just, it's difficult to talk to each other face to face and say like, I don't like it when you bleep my bleep, whatever. Right. Yeah. So we're both very uh, cognizant of the fact that the other person has some barriers. And so we try to say, hey, I have an awkward conversation that I want to have with you. Are you ready for this? And then we'll just sort of blurt it out. Yeah, it gets more comfortable after 10 minutes and if it doesn't then we shove it and then we come back to it later great and, uh, this is something we had to you know work on a lot but i think we're getting to a very like, comfortable place with approaching conversations about sex of course sometimes it's just easier to do it by text especially if we're apart yeah it's yeah. easy to say like hey i want to sex tomorrow or whatever totally totally okay i want to back up for a second and ask you about your sexuality and we talked about possibly being autosexual and what that entails but Bisexualness-wise, cool, 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 I'm good at talking. Bisexuality-wise, I don't know. (laughs) Um, When did you first realize that you liked 
men and women. It's very similar to what I told you earlier about like no one ever told me that homosexuality is a bad thing. Just mm-hmm. it never came up on my radar. And again, I must have been very young when I was like, oh, you know, girls kiss boys, but why don't girls kiss girls? And no one ever told me that they don't. So I just sort of grew up with a completely normal notion around the idea of homosexuality. And the first time I questioned, you know, yeah, again, I'm, I must have been quite young. And the first time I questioned, like, how do I feel about potentially marrying a woman someday? And I was like, great. Women are nice. <laughs> yeah, they I have are. no feelings against this. I was like 16 when I came up and I didn't have any feelings about this. Mm-hmm. But there were some social repercussions. Oh, like what? I had people being like, well, I don't want to touch you anymore because you're gay and gay. That, that's bad, right? Something like this. Mm. So on the one hand, I had that didn't want to talk to me anymore. On the other hand, I had like a lot of teenage boys that suddenly wanted to be best friends because, you know, <laughs> well, if you know you're bisexual, then th- that means you must be thinking about sex, which means you must be horny, which means you, sh- you must want to sex with me. That's sort of how it went. Okay, okay. Did you sext with any teenagers? I did not discover sexting until way later in life. Like, did you have any successful teen sexting? I mean, I think so. Okay. I'm pretty sure I must have been sexting with the person that I first had sex with. Okay. Yeah. I remember I remember us both being such like little jerks, you know, we were just like, we thought we were so cool. We would send these risky texts. I don't think they were straight up sexting, like, oh, I would do this or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it would be all these risky texts. And we thought we were so cool in the sense that we were pretending that we already knew what sex was, but <laughs> we were about to have it for the first time with each other. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of it must have been anatomically incorrect. I don't even want to think about it. But if I think about sexting in terms of just having text conversations that feel very flirtatious and are about sex, I must have been doing it. Okay, so fill in what gaps lie between what we know so far about your early partner experiences with your partner now, who, if I'm doing math correctly, you met when you were 22 or you started going out when you were 22. What lies in between? Did your wild phase last for a while or kind of like what was the texture of those formative years? Like like I sort of hinted earlier, uh, some of it was backed by trauma. Hmm. And so I left out some of it. Like I'm not really sure about, like there were some parts of it in my wild phase that weren't really consensual. Hmm. I was just wanting to make myself okay with it, you know, because if I said it was consensual, even though it wasn't, then it wasn't assault, it wasn't rape or whatever. Right. And so, of course, I had some very pleasant experiences. Uh, after the first time I had sex with someone, I didn't, like, go out with them or anything. It was just like, this person that I met twice, maybe thrice. I did have two boyfriends after that, and it got better with time. And then we did have sex on and off. Each time, the partner I had was somehow better than the last. Great. Yeah, which was really good because the first, like, official boyfriend I had was quite, he wasn't very aggressive, just, like, in general. Mm -hmm. And so when we were doing anything sexual, it was very, like, oh, is this okay with you? But it went beyond consent. It went into, like, the field of insecurity. Okay. And then the next partner I had didn't have that. He didn't have the insecurity thing, but he had, like, other things that I didn't really like. Like what? A constant need for validation, which I think might be... A bit of projection on my part. <laughs> I'm not sure about this. But yeah, now I'm with my partner who, like, if there's anything that I don't like, 
then we can just talk it out and then like it's gone in the next month or so amazing so we're constantly building really good and healthy communication at least we're trying yeah and when did you move to europe six years ago do you notice differences between the dating that you were doing before and after oh yeah definitely because my circle was much smaller back home okay like i only knew the people that i went to university or not yeah university with or high school with mm -hmm. and yeah if you got together with someone everyone knew about it and it was sort of everyone's business oh my okay yeah that just felt really uncomfortable yeah. and if you dated someone for more than a couple of months you were like sort of expected to be with them long term and mm. how can you make that decision when you're like 17 wow after i moved i was on tinder for a while mm -hmm. i went on a couple of dates and that was a first for me because before i was just sort of in friend circles and then we would get pushed together which is like the person who seemed interesting yeah. and then after i moved it was really like i'm choosing to go on a date with this person because they got my interest that's the biggest difference for me but could also just be an age thing okay and do you like like do dates serve as like the precursor to sexual things or do you use dates more as like do i want to get to know this person you know, some people go on dates and they're like, sex is not a part of it. And some people are like, I'm going on a date to fuck. Like, where do you fall in that paradigm? It leans more heavily towards like, if everything goes well, then we should have sex now or like soon. Yeah. yeah. But if there's any excess, then we just move on from there. Or like, if there's anything that seems like it's not going to work, then we just, then there's no sex and generally no further conversation either. Yeah. Okay. Not necessarily that I have to be wanting to fuck someone in order to date them but it, yeah quite it was quite relevant you know when i was still dating yeah if i didn't have sex with someone then i normally didn't talk to them afterwards because okay. clearly there was something missing in our conversation yeah okay maybe we went on a date and there wasn't the opportunity to have sex maybe we weren't near either of our houses or whatever but if i didn't feel like i wanted to hook up with them afterwards and sort of continue it then normally we wouldn't continue talking either yeah, that makes sense. It's like not a big enough spark to light the fire of passion. Um, <laughs> I want to circle back for a second and just talk about the trauma that you experienced. What did you do to take care of yourself and process it? Like, it sounds like it's not currently affecting you in a way that's causing shutdown, unless there are things you haven't shared with us. But like, can you talk a little bit about your own personal process? Yeah. So I had, I want to say, two or three pretty big instances of trauma. And at some point, just everything was so negative for me, just inside my head, that I decided to go to therapy, which I had to sneak away from my home. Oh. Because I didn't want to explain to my family that like I had this right. sort of trauma. I went to two therapists and I had a pretty bad experience with them then. And then I was sort of, I didn't love the idea of therapy, because of them. Yeah. But I knew in theory that, you know, a good therapist should be able to help you. So yeah. eventually, like two years ago, I did get a different therapist and I've worked through a lot of my issues. Not necessarily that we've talked about it, but we have worked through the things that I'm afraid of, mm -hmm. the things that cause me anxiety or yeah, distress. Mm -hmm. So that was that was two years ago, but there were many years in between where I sort of did have to take care of myself and do you know, be more specific with regard to your question. I would say the internet helped a lot okay. in the sense that if I could get examples of 
healthy sex there, then surely I wasn't, like my experience wasn't global. Like this wasn't good and right. I, I was reading a lot of uh, romantic fan fiction, Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> Nothing dark. I would only read fan fiction when everyone was happy mm-hmm. and people were having just good and nice and gentle sex. Mm. And uh, yeah, I tried to continue talking to my friends about sex because I really wanted to get a better notion that, you know, violence is not a real part of sex unless, you know, you choose to invite it in a consensual and kinky way. Yeah. That people shouldn't exert power over you outside of the the context of, you know, of kinky power. Yeah. Yeah. You make a container for it and you agree on it and then that's where it lives. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So trying to have those conversations was really therapeutic for me and yeah some people really came through and they're really they're still really good friends okay and it sounds like you have learned a lot about your sexual self since then or over the years like is that more online research or tell get us get us into your favorite things tell us what you like tell us how you discovered it i'm curious to hear about your princess brat self like just dive in wherever you want to start with your favorites Actually, the princess brat kink is the one I identify with most outside of my autosexuality thing that I'm trying to still figure out. Uh-huh. That one is just the most fun for me. It does it the most, you know, checks the most boxes. Okay. And that one I discovered actually with my partner. Yeah, before this, I was I knew that I was interested in power dynamics and BDSM. Also, like, like I was telling you, I always had this idea of something power, something sex, something naked. Now, I was very young when I built up this idea. And when I discovered BDSM, I was like, this is great. People do this, and I'm not the only one that has these feelings. It's amazing. And so, as you can imagine, when you're a teenager with no restrictions, you come across some really raunchy things on the internet that are bad for you. (laughs) Just bad BDSM. It's bad time. I started having sex with other people. Started introducing this idea to partners. Like, hey, what do you think about, like, you know, sort of holding my hands over here while we... Well, we have sex. Mm-hmm. Never really panned out. But my partner at the moment is very receptive and he's very uh, open to try things. And so he's the one that actually, I feel like he said something during sex one time. Like he was very nice, like he was validating me, but also sort of exerting dominance. Uh-huh. And it was like, it checked all my boxes. And I was like, I need a name for this. <gasps> I know that this specific cocktail of sexy is doing it for me. Because I like being treated like like I'm so special. Yeah. But at the same time, I like acting out. But I also like being put in my place. It's very particular the way that these things interact. Mm-hmm. Because if there's too much dominance, then it just goes into like BDSM territory. But if it's too much praise, then it's just sweet. Yeah. You know? And then I have to do enough acting out to get my partner to react. Yeah. But then he also has to react like just so. If, if he like sort of gets upset in a kink context, then that's not what I want. Yeah. What I want is very controlled sort of dominance. Okay. And not just like, hey, shut the fuck up. These are the nuances of the brat world that I'm like, wait, I don't get it. I don't know that I understand this game for my own self. Like, because I am such a good girl. Like, I am so submissive, I think, in my deepest heart of hearts. Or if I have a brat, I haven't discovered her. Like, she's buried. And and I'm fascinated by brats because I'm like, it's not mean. It's not bad. Like, like I think that that's where my... I don't have, like, the cultural version of good, bad. I'm like, what do you mean good and bad? But, like, I'm like, well, no, I'm doing the service. Like, if I'm doing service, how how could I possibly 
Like, what is that game? So can you tell us more about your, like the nuance of your brat self? Like what feels really good to her? And like, it sounds like if I'm understanding you correctly, for him to hold space, he's like the mountain that you can kind of rail against? Or what does it feel like emotionally? If, if you can put that into words. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's the, the mountain analogy is pretty solid as a starting point. I think what really does it for me in terms of like being bratty is that there, there are times when I, when I just want to behave submissively. And that's what does it for me in that moment. But if I do it too long, then I feel like like my personality isn't showing up anymore. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that sort of scares me. Okay. But I know that if I'm being a little submissive, but then also like just exerting my just my personality a little bit more, then there's that perfect balance of like, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but not without getting a little bit of talking back. Mm. And that's what really hits the sweet spot for me. That's awesome. If he's playing along as well, you know, that's, the ribbon on top he has to also be like he has to let me sort of talk back a little bit but then when he's had enough then he also has to take it back and it's very this push and pull is just so sexy yeah with being submissive for me it's very easy to turn off my brain just mm-hmm. do the thing mm-hmm. you know look pretty do the fucking it's that easy and that's sometimes really nice but i love the sort of social game of uh, being a brat as well just like trying to figure out how much can I say? Like, if he tells me to suck his cock, how much can I get away with? Like, can I just tell him to go fuck himself? Or can I be like, well, make me, you know? Oh, oh my gosh. You just helped me have an epiphany. It is a social game. I'm terrible at social games. I don't understand them at all. I love social games. Like, well, no, any any sort of like human interaction where people are like doing the social thing, like the unspoken interactions between people so it's like okay so when you and he drop into that when you're playing the same game with each other and it's in sync okay okay so now okay help me understand the princess part a little more now too so princess is that's where you receive all the praise and you're like amazing Mm -hmm. exactly but again sort of in a submissive context like i did the thing that he wanted me to and i did it well if you think about the context of like getting a good grade in school, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's the same feeling, like it checks the same box for me. Yeah. He said, do this. I did it. I saw him react well. And then to follow up on that, he told me, I'm so good. I'm so good at this. I do all these things for him. And I make him feel all these ways. If he says this, then it just like, it activates every little, like every little neuron in me that yeah. goes, like, yeah, I love yeah. this. He thinks I'm great, and that just sort of reinforces for me that I am good at this, totally. which I guess is still something that I really I love to hear. Oh, yeah. That is one of my favorite things. When I get called a perfect slave by my master, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm better. Everything's perfect. I did good. Yeah, I did a good job. Yay. <laughs> okay, so tell us more about like how you like to play with him or how your play has evolved over the years or just like what are some of your favorite things that you do? So at the moment, because we're apart, we haven't really had a chance to get around to exploring it much, but I really do love this Bluetooth-connected vibrator. It's great. Yeah. We've tried it out once or twice, and I think that that's going to be part of our sex life for a while now. Awesome. Also, just the idea of like having it in me, but just like during the day, you know, going about my day and seeing what happens, because I'm not the one controlling it, you know, yeah. see what happens next. We think that that's really exciting. 
I think in the beginning, it was there was a lot of we didn't think about it a lot. Of course, we checked in together mm-hmm. to see, you know, like what do you like and is this okay with you? But we were just sort of fucking and then checking in later to see, like, oh well, you know, was that maybe too kinky or? Mm, okay. And now it's a lot easier to be like, hey, I want to try giving you a blowjob while you're smoking because that like hits a certain spot for me. Yeah. Like the visual really like sets it off for me. That has been an activity that we haven't done a lot, but it's every time it's happened, it's just so perfect. Like I know that the sex that's going to follow is just going to be really good. Amazing. The the first pair of handcuffs we got were these like terrible ones of Amazon. They were just like these little metal ones, you know, like the ones that yep. they look exactly like the ones cops use and they're uncomfortable and yep. I'm always worried about the uh, about losing the keys. Oh yeah. And I, I don't even know where the keys are anymore. I don't even know where the cuffs are anymore. <laughs> so they're just kind of in the house somewhere. But then eventually we got these much nicer ones with like padding and they, they just sort of they hook together with a little clip mechanism. Yeah. It's been interesting to try and find just like places to put the cuffed wrists around to make the restraints more interesting. Because otherwise if it's just in bed then it's like, okay well now my hands are together. Now what? You yeah, know? Yeah. And so it's been interesting to try and see what else can be done. Yeah, with that sort of restraint. What have you tried so far? Just sort of around edges to make it so if I'm on my stomach and my wrists are around like a thing that I can't easily remove my wrists from, then for one I can't turn around and see what's happening. And for another I can't that easily. That's been something really interesting. Yeah, it's either been that or just sort of trying to position my hands in different places, mm-hmm. either in front of me or behind me, or like just somewhere that makes it more interesting or more complex. Yeah. But I'm really interested in trying out more stuff once we're back together. That should be really fun. It's going to be so fun. How, how long until you are moving in together? Three weeks. Ooh, it's coming up. That's great. Yeah. Okay, tell us details about going down on each other. What do you like about going down on partners and what do you like about being gone down on? It's been a very long time since I've been with a female partner. Mm-hmm. And that's something really like exciting for me. I visualize it a lot when I'm masturbating, for example. Yeah. I just think that the visual and the texture, the whole experience of it is so nice. But I think I might be building it up in my head to a point, you know, because now it's been a while. Yeah. But with my partner now, I think that going down on him is really exciting and fun because I at least like to build up the tension a little bit but I think I always give up the game a little too early because <laughs> I know he can wait a little bit longer he I know he can you know he can be on the edge a little bit a little bit more but then I'm just like I'm too impatient yeah me too I get excited and I'm like I'm ready <laughs> I want it in my mouth now <laughs> yeah exactly I'll be all kissing up on him and I'm starting from the knees and going up or starting from the chest and going down and then halfway there I'm like hmm kind of want to suck it and so <laughs> The only frustrating thing is it takes so long that eventually he'll just get impatient and be like, well, can, can we fuck now? Mm. Oh, fuck. It's only happened once that he's actually come while I've been blowing him. Okay. So it's now my mission to make it happen more. Okay. Because I know I can do it. I know I can do it. <laughs> we just have to have the patience to wait that long. Totally. And then on my end, on the one hand, I think it's really fun and exciting. It also leans into the princess kink a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. To be serviced is such a weird word for it, but I guess that's... Pleasured? Oh, no, that's even a word. Fully receiving? Are you a pillow princess or not so much? 
I think it's like when you are someone who either lays or just sits back on your pillow and enjoys. There's like an element to receiving to it. It's how I've been led to understand it. I'm sure there are pillow princesses with very specific definitions, but that's what's been explained to me by past partners. No, I wouldn't say that I can just sort of lean in and enjoy it because okay. like I start thinking about other stuff too much. Like it feels really good and I'm I'm feeling really sexual in that moment. But also I'm like, oh no, it, it, I'm taking too long. Mm. And I also kind of just want to fuck. Do I want to like have this orgasm now or, you know, speed it up and do it? And so uh, I don't think I can actually lean in and just like lie back and let it happen. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> My partner is also very insistent. Like he generally has an idea when I'm trying to let up just so like he won't have to do it anymore. And again, it's sort of in a kinky-ish range where he'll be like, no, just let me do what I want to do. And I think that's so hard. It's like it puts me at ease that I'm not bothering him. Yeah. Yeah. But it also lets me know that like he's enjoying what he's doing. Yeah. That's like the hottest part of being gone down on for me. Like knowing that my partner's liking that is just like it drives me crazy. Same. And I had a big shift too with the kinky dynamic that I had with my partner, where I was like, Oh, you're in charge and you're still doing this. So this really must be what you want to be doing. Huh. You know, and that was like a mind shift for me. So physically what do you enjoy being done to your vulva, clitoris, vagina? Like, do you like sucking? Do you like licking? Do you like like a pointy tongue? Do you like fingers at the same time? Or is it just whatever he delivers? Yeah, I mean, whatever he delivers is generally good. But in particular, if I like if I have this vision of me going down on myself, then there's a lot of like licking of clitoris. Uh-huh. And then I really enjoy the novelty of the idea of tongue fucking doesn't do a lot for me but like the doing it for three to five seconds just like it's kind of fun and interesting i think it's so hot yeah it's not gonna make me come but i think it's so hot i love it exactly yeah 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 but not everything in that moment needs to you know make me come it's yeah, not a matter no. of efficiency i want all the feelings and sensations yeah exactly so i really like my clitoris being licked mm. a big fan of like a couple of seconds of being dumped up Mm-hmm. love fingers if he's sucking on my clitoris but also fingering me at the same time that's just so much fun for me and i'm sort of getting into the idea of some butt stuff okay like not a lot but like again when i'm masturbating then i like thinking i like considering that i like touching myself a little bit sometimes but like i'm not there yet where i can just be like yeah when you're going down on me also just put a finger on my butt okay I do think I kind of want that in the future. I really like it. What about a little bit of just like not in, but like around the edge, like just oh, yeah, pressure? Yeah. Okay. I love that. That's the gateway. That's exactly what got me started, though, to considering like I want to do more of this in the future. Okay. Because he started sort of touching the edge a little bit, and I was like, this is amazing. This changes the dimension of the oral sex. Yeah. Totally. But yeah, like right now, that's the only thing I want. But eventually, I think uh, I'll be interested in more anal-related things. Yeah. I also really like it in the context of like if someone's going down on me or fingering me and like both holes. Because for my brain, it takes me out of the like 
thinking so much because now everything is just sensation. And so it, it's almost like it flings me into deeper relaxation where I can't be so in my head. There's like something. And it also just might be that for me, it's like a submissive trigger because it was introduced to me by my master. I don't know. But I'm a big fan. Super interested in uh, checking it out a little bit more in the future. That's another thing that we've talked about a bit, like from what you were asking, things that we like to do together. We sort of discussed it a little bit. Also tried anal sex once or twice. wasn't bad. Okay. So it's definitely something to be explored again in the future. Yeah. I mean, if you've actually, you got penetration in there, you did it. Yeah. What about butt plugs or anything? Do you play with those? Like, do you have any? Do you want any? I'm interested. Don't have any yet. Okay. But I wouldn't say I have any taboos around butt stuff. I just, I'm waiting to get more comfortable with it just in my mind before I commit to something like as physical as a butt plug. Got it. And so like if I'm just by myself, then I can sort of explore butt stuff just with my fingers. Yeah. But nothing more than that is intriguing to me at the moment. Okay. But like I said, we've talked about it a little bit before. We've tried a couple of things. But I don't think it interested either one of us enough in the moment to be like, well, we need to introduce this as part of our lives immediately. Totally. That makes sense. Do you have any curiosity about your partner's buttholes? I've tried licking it before. I thought it was great. (laughs) Great. (laughs) I really liked it. He seemed to like it. But we then hit this like little wall of like, I don't know, like it felt physically good, but I don't know how I feel about it emotionally. So we put it on hold. Okay. I'm not sure about other things, butthole related uh, in the doing, but Mm. I love the licking. Nice. Okay. Any other like toys that you love to play with? You mentioned handcuffs or, or things that you hope to play with in the future when, when you move in together and are having access to each other? I'm not sure. I mean, the ones that we have at, or the ones that I have at the moment are things that I want to explore a little bit more. But Great. I recently got an email from the website that I got my sex toys from. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, look, here are some specialized sex toys that we think you'll love. And it was like an anal vibrator, and I think that would be really fun to explore. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of wanting to get comfortable with the idea before committing. Yeah, before. that makes sense. You don't need to rush into everything. I'm just curious what's on the horizon. Here's a fun question. When you live together, what's your ideal amount of or frequency or length of having sex? Well, the horniest version of me would tell you I want to have sex every day, twice a day. The more, the better. <laughs> In the daytime and at night. But I know that logistically that's not really possible. Right. What feels logistically possible with like work and commitments and life stuff? I I would still say like five times a week. But I think (laughs) maybe I would be willing to take it out like four. Maybe four times a week is more reasonable. Okay. Okay. But my intent is to maximize it just because that feels best for me. Yeah. I like to be, like to remain fucked at all times. I love that like to remain fucked at all times i love that i always fantasize if i lived with someone i've never lived with a partner but i'm like if i had daily access like i would want to have like one at least one long session a week like i love really long luxurious like multi-hour affairs but then i'm like i would so take advantage of quickies like even if it's just like a quick morning blow job or like being like babe babe touch me touch me touch me you know or just like grinding on that like just like i would take those snippets because i get so much out of that physical touch so I'm always just curious with people. I'm so excited for you. That's imminent for you. Yeah, I love that. And it's something I've tried as well. Like what you said with the quickie or like a quick low job. 
uh, a little bit of grinding. Yeah. I tried it, always just turns into sex. Well, well. Because I'm willing to be like, hey, okay, yeah, let's do this, and then go back to watching TV pretty well. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to go? <laughs> and then it's like, is there any reason to say no? Not really. I mean, if you're both into it, then that's consent, right? <laughs> okay. What would you say your biggest turn-ons are? Have we covered those? Like, what really gets you going? For me, I would say that there's certain things that my partner wears. Like, mm. just, like, there's certain shirts that just, like, if I see them, I'm like, well, we're having sex tonight. But yeah. I have no choice in the matter. We are fucking. The shirt is out. <laughs> Amazing. Does he know that? I'm not sure. I mean, okay. I've told him that there's, like, some clothes I really like on okay. him. Okay. But I don't know that he's made the connection. Yeah, you never know how far it sinks in. That's, okay. okay. Yeah, exactly. And then there's sometimes that he'll just... I don't know, th- this is kind of harder to describe, but I'll do my best. There's some days when, uh, like I was telling you earlier, like everything just, it's in sync, you know, like our conversation or the, the flow of communication is so on point. If we've been, for instance, like cooking together or something mm. and everything went super smoothly, then it's just, it, it gets so charged up that I know what he's thinking and he knows what I'm thinking. And then that's definitely going to happen. But if we're thinking more like, specifically sexual things then i think it's such a turn on to get like a foot rub for example mm, yeah and it's partially like the sort of princess kink ish and it's partially just being touched on purpose yeah especially by someone you care for especially like when you know it can lead or will lead somewhere like that's that's just so great a thing that turns me on which i guess might be a little obvious but like it does it for me a hundred percent of the time is just initiation not like initiating sex, just like if I'm doing something else and my partner's like wanting a makeout session or more really quickly and he's like really confident, mm-hmm. not confident, but you know what I mean. Like he's really like, he knows what he wants and he gets it. That's like, I know that we're either going to have sex now or later, but because he did that, now it's activated something in me and now I want to get mine, okay. in, if that makes sense. Can you give us an example? For example, like if I'm not doing anything, if I'm just sort of on my phone, mm-hmm. then he'll approach, he'll put my phone away. Generally, like if this happens, then it's still very casual, right? But then when we make eye contact, it's very like, I can always tell that he's going to be like, hey, none of this anymore. Now you pay attention to me. And like knowing that he wants the attention from me is just such a turn on mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Something that I have to give is this, not commodity, but it's like something valuable. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah, that's great. Something we didn't talk about that I want to make a point of talking about. How do you talk with your partners about having safer sex? What have those conversations been like for you? Well, I'd say in the past with just partners before my current partner, mm-hmm. I don't remember having many conversations around you know, outside of condoms and stuff, I don't think we talked a lot about, like, STIs or anything. Okay. I think that was a shame thing. I don't think that that was... We all knew it was a possibility, but then it was just like, well, it couldn't happen to me. <laughs> and uh, we should have known better. All those years, we should have known better, and we just, yeah, didn't. Okay. I think we did discuss it at the beginning of our relationship. Yeah, I remember getting a, a whole, like, panel of tests the first time I went to a gynecologist here in Europe. Mm. Yeah, I remember having that conversation with my partner saying like, I went and got checked out and I want to, uh, like, this is something that I want you to know and I really want to have sex with you. And that's, I think, the first time that I had this conversation okay. about safety. 
Great. And that's been the last time it's been necessary. Yeah. That sounds like progress. And it sounds like also you have been lucky enough to not contract anything. That has been very lucky, actually. Yay! Great. Okay, so you're in a long-distance relationship. What's your sexting game like? Like, what's your main sort of, like, do you send nudes? Do you dirty talk? Do you FaceTime? Like, what's that like for you guys? I used to be a big sexter, but it's been very, like, busy for me the last couple of weeks. And also for him, like, we've had a lot of stress recently. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we've had the mental energy to come up with, like, the time and the scenarios, Mm -hmm. you know, to be like, well, I would do this or this is how I would treat you. Yeah. So uh, we haven't had like a long sexting session in a while, but I think that's so hot. There was a time that we were in the same we were in the same bed, just on opposite sides, that I was sexting with him like a couple of years ago, and oh. that led to some really amazing sex. Oh. So I'm a, I'm really big on sexting. It's just unfortunately been a little bit missing for us recently. Okay. I'm also really into nudes yeah. at the moment. Haven't always been, but right now I'm just so about my body. Beautiful. Like a couple of weeks ago, it's just like every morning it would be like a different set of news. And there was this one time I had like a really intense therapy session. Uh-huh. And afterwards, I was just so riddled with emotions. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I worked out for a bit and then I went for a walk. I came back and I was like so filled with like all this bubbling energy. Yeah. And I didn't know how to treat that for a while. And the only thing that really calmed me down was taking like half an hour take a bunch of nudes. Yes. And they're like my favorites that I have. Like I, I have them saved on my phone. They're like my my version of sexy. You know, they're just like yeah. I, I have no burdens in that moment. Yeah. Since that day, like a couple of months ago, I've just been really about nudes. That's amazing. There'll be weeks where I just send them one every morning, maybe like one in the morning, one in the evening. Or like he'll call me and I'll be like, oh, what? I'm not wearing any clothes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't notice that. That's amazing. And what sort of responses do you like to get back from sending nudes? Because I know sometimes I've like sent them and I get, I literally have gotten like a tap back like, or like sometimes a heart. And like that actually does hurt my, if, if it's with something else, that's fine. If it's, if that's it, and then they don't talk to me again, I'm like, oh, fuck me. But like, actually not. <laughs> yeah. Like, why did you bother with the effort? Yeah. If it wasn't- and also like, why is someone talking to me if you don't want to like respond sexy to a nude? Like if I'm that uninteresting, please let's just part ways <laughs> like that. That's how I feel. Yeah, no, I think that's something I relate to very strongly. If I don't get, like, a good response back to a nude, then, like, makes me genuinely pretty sad. And with my partner now, we're, we're in a position where I'll just be like, hey, remember, remember that picture I sent you earlier? Can you, do you have anything to say about it? Okay, so you just straight up ask. But what feels good? Like, what sort of response makes you feel yummy? Yeah, my favorites are when you'll be like, well, yeah, I had to take a break from work to jerk off to that. That was amazing. Great. That's amazing. <laughs> Those are my favorites, but... There, there'll be a lot of like, just like little compliments that also really do it for me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are there any other kinks that we haven't covered or any other just like sex things? Oh, we haven't talked about group sex. Would you be into that? Open to the idea? I'm not sure about group slashes in three, but we have talked before about introducing a third person. Okay. We're not really sure how we'd go about doing it, but we're very, very interested. Okay. I think we have so, sort of similar tastes in uh, women. We're interested in the same type of women. And so we would like to try that at some point. Mm. I'm not sure about the idea of having just that many bodies in a sexual setting. For me, I think that that would be a bit of sensory overload. I wouldn't know 
what to put where. Yeah. But with three people, I think that'd be the perfect amount of like stimulation. What about like going to a sex club or a sex party? Would you be down for something like that? I think so. I think that would be something really interesting for me. I'm not sure how feasible it is. I don't know that we've talked about it before with, with my partner. And me. I'm not sure if he'd be done, but who knows? We have hopefully a long time to figure that out. Totally. Well, and then there, there are some places where you can just go as a couple and like watch other people and get turned on together. Like you don't have to participate or perform or anything. I'm just always curious where people's heads are at, body parts are at, all of it. What about sex dreams? Do you have sex dreams? All the time. Really? All the time, especially like recently. It's this weird thing. I don't know that I've met anyone else that has the same, but like when I'm stressed out, I get so horny. And so these last couple of weeks have just been... In the daytime, it's just all the stress. And at the nighttime, it's all the morning. And so I'll wake up in the morning and be like, well, dreamt of fucking again. And here I am alone in my bed. Oh, wow. Have you ever dreamed a horny sex dream when next to a partner? Do you think you would try to like grind up on them in your sleep? I think I've done that. Yeah. Like this isn't always, but there have been times where I wake up before my partner. And I'll wake up just so horny. And that'll be directly as a response to a dream that I had been having. Mm. And there have been times that I woke up and I was confused that I wasn't having sex because it was in the exact same setting. Like it was in that bed, in that room with my partner. And then I would be like, wait, what? Did I just wake up? What's going on? Oh, weird. Yeah, I'll try to initiate. And most of the times it works out quite good because we've talked about it before. Yeah. We've said that, you know, if I'm asleep and you're wanting to have sex and you can totally like wake me up for sex. That's great. Yeah, I think that that works out really well for me as a person with a lot of horny dreams. Totally. Have you orgasmed in your horny dreams? Like, is that a thing that you think is possible for your body? And like, do you think you're doing it in real life? I don't remember it. Like, I only ever remember like the last minute or so of my dreams. Okay. And so by the time I wake up, like, and it's all fading away so quickly, yeah, yeah, yeah. that I don't know that I remember the actual physical elements of the dream. You know, the element of what the fuck that comes with so many dreams. Oh, yeah. That's also just in my sex dreams because, okay, great. There's fucking going on. But why are there so many clouds? You know, like (laughs) what's going on with that? There's just so much stimulus that I often don't really think about my body. Mm. I think it'd be really cool, though, like if my body was also just like getting its good orgasm needs met in my sleep without me having to do anything. Yeah. That's just so effective. I know. Wouldn't it be amazing? That's that's like one of my fantasies. I never I have like stressful sex dreams. Like there's always like an element of stress in. But that's just been my dreams for a while. So it's sad. But are they still horny? Like do they still do it for you? Like I don't I am not satisfied. I like wake up like wanting my master more than ever. Like and that's the part of me where I'm like, ah, damn it, I'm going to have to go back on dating apps soon. OK, now I'm almost done having COVID so I could like do that again and like actually go out into the world but that means effort so you know i have my fingers crossed so like but like definitely have had some like really hot sex dreams that are just like not yeah i don't i don't think i've come in a sex dream though like i usually like get to the point where it would satisfy and then something like the plane takes off and i'm not on it and he poofed onto there and there was another woman and you know like (laughs) like (laughs) all of that any other fantasies or just like things in general that you want to explore in your sex life? I guess impact is something that I've been really interested in recently. 
Yeah. We haven't really looked into that aspect of BDSM much because, yeah, we're sort of into the lighter side of BDSM, Mm -hmm. very much the domination element, but none of the pain stuff. But, like, I think for me it would be really hard. Not so much the pain of it itself, but the physicality of being smacked, for example. Yeah. I can imagine that the sound would really do it for me. And the quick moment of, like, feeling and then... Yeah, the, the way your skin feels afterwards, I think all of that, it's something we've touched upon a little bit, but not a lot. I recently had a fleeting interest. I don't know, I have some slight shame about this, but I had mm. a fleeting interest in like being slapped like in my face. And I'm not sure how I feel about it because I'm like, ah, I don't know, what does that mean for me? But like, it's kind of hot though. Yeah, I'm just sort of working through those sort of impact interests. Do you feel comfortable sharing what might it mean for you or kind of what you're thinking about? Yeah, I think that it definitely goes into the realm of submission. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like I don't have to do anything to submit in this moment. You know, it's like something that's being done to me. And I think that's really hot. My partner's got like three large hands. And it's also just like the physicality of this very large hand next to my face. Yeah. And then also exerting enough control to make it hurt a little, yeah. but not a lot. Yes. All of those things come together to make it such a like a sexy situation. Yep. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, ah, I don't know. But like, there's all these other connotations around slapping a person in their face. That's mm. kind of like, I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet. Got it. But, you know, just as long as I can question it in a healthy way. Absolutely. Eventually maybe. Yeah. As a person who really loves being slapped in the face, pretty hard sometimes. Because I'm being slapped by someone who was trained to slap safely, who has large hands, who knows how to not give me a black eye or pop one of my eardrums, like that is an important, important factor. For me, especially because I have a body that will get like crazy oversensitive, he literally like slaps me back into my body sometimes or like Sometimes it's like right before an orgasm or after an orgasm or if he's edging me and he uses it in this way of surprise. And for me, the pain too, you know, it releases endorphins. Like it's like a smarting in the moment, but then it dissipates so quickly. And then I feel like my pleasure just get heightens. And that's when I'm like, I don't know, do anything. This is wonderful. Everything's perfect, you know. But again, I'm an extremely submissive person and I'm just like, yes, everything. So those are my face slapping thoughts. Butts are good too. I mean, I like to get slapped anywhere. Tit slapping. How do you feel about tit slap? Like getting your boobs? Are your nipples? I guess they can't be too sensitive if they got chewed so much. <laughs> well, that was a long time ago, but um, they're very specifically sensitive. Oh. And I am very into the idea of slapping in general. Do you remember the era of Tumblr when like there was still porn allowed on it? Yeah, yeah. And there used to be these like black and white lesbian gifts and they were just so aesthetic. There's this one very specific memory that I have of just like the the swing of a hand and then the impact that it makes when connecting with a butt. Yeah. And it was just it's so beautiful and just the the visual aesthetic was just so lovely and it's like stuck in my head. And I want that for me. Totally. Oh, I want it for you too. Speaking of this uh, visual aesthetics, I think you'd like this one. I love watching myself be fucked in a mirror. That's like super hot for me yeah how did you discover that when did you discover that well my partner has a really big mirror in his room <laughs> amazing and is he bringing that with him when you move in together the, there's a mirror in the room now ah! I, I seen it. 
Wonderful. I tried to angle us so that like I could still see myself. It was dark that day, but I know we can we can do it. Yeah. That uh, with the lights on and the the mirror in the background. What about have you ever felt bold enough to take video clips yourself, like or have him take like of penetration or anything like that? Oh yeah, uh, I remember we were on vacation once and we were being very like it started playful, but then it definitely it was going to be kinky, mm-hmm. and it was a drinking game involved, and then. I uh, took this video of me giving him a blowjob, and I had like this really hot lingerie on. Ooh. Like it was my first time actually owning lingerie, so it was this this whole experience. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's something I'm really interested in recreating because well, yes. I look very different now than I did then. Oh, so fun! Did you watch it of yourself afterwards? Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times. It, it's one of those things that gives me a little bit of not embarrassment, but it gives me like. Some tingles that I'm not sure I can keep watching. Okay, so it's not quite the same as having the mirror there in real time when you can, like, see and feel simultaneously? Yeah. Okay. But it's also not the same as, like, seeing nudes of myself. That, like, seeing nudes of myself does it for me. Okay. Maybe it's just that video in particular, but, yeah. like, I don't know. Maybe it was the lighting in that room. I, I just, I guess. it wasn't aesthetic enough for me. <laughs> totally, totally. I definitely have some videos where I'm like, uh, I don't like that. You can keep that one if you want, but I don't need that one. You know, and some of them I'm like, oh, I love these. So is there anything about your sex life that we haven't covered? Like any stories that definitely need to get shared or like things you love or things you hate that we haven't touched on yet? I mean, I guess we didn't really touch on anything that I hate, but the, the only point of interest there is that I'm pretty much down to try anything. So I, I haven't found anything that I hate yet. I'm sure there will be something someday, but everything that we try, we tread so carefully. It's just like, oh, well, okay, well, if you want to try butt stuff, then maybe sometimes we should try, like, not even touching it, just sort of going in the direction and then yeah. coming back, and then we yeah. see how we feel about that. I don't remember the last time I hated something about sex, hmm. but again, like, all my life, I've spent so much time being joyful around the idea of sex that I'm just, I don't know, I I can't associate hating any anything about like good consensual sex beautiful what's your hope for your sexual self going forward i, I want to have less shame talking about sex to my partner mm. like <laughs> me too you know we just talked about a bunch of dirty things now but i would have a much harder time saying these words to my partner mm. but maybe because i have practice now maybe i could say that Ooh, yes. find we're, out. we're growing we're okay yeah find out let me know okay good yeah i want to be more communicative I guess I want to be more specific, you know, like right now I have an idea of the things that I like and things I want to try, but I do want to be more like aware of the things that I'm curious about and, Mm. you know, have more purpose when it comes to sex. I can relate to that. Yeah. I don't want to stagnate in this. Like I, I don't want to look back in five years and be like, yeah, well, I'm a brat because, well, I've always been one. Yeah. Yeah. But I will also say there is something wonderful about, I I sense an openness in you and something that I personally have enjoyed a lot in my own life is just sort of like stumbling into sexy situations and like being like, holy fuck, this is real. You know, and, and I am about to embark upon more research stuff, but I feel like we all work our way to the right spot at the right time is what I hope for us. Hopefully. I hope that uh, happens as well. uh, I look forward to it. Yeah. Like, I'm excited for what happens next in my sex life. Fuck yeah. If you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? Like, 
14, 15, 16-ish, like one of those ages, and you say like, you know, everything that you're feeling is true and valid. Like no one knows your body like you know your body. Mm-hmm. You don't have to lie about it. No one benefits from you convincing yourself that you're having fun when you're not. So like, tell the truth. And the feelings of joy around sex are also good. And, you know, to not let other people try to eat it out of me yeah. in any in any way. I think that those are the two things that I would like to have to keep with me if, mm. from ages 14. Fuck yeah. Do you have a sex question for me? Well, I, I have two questions. One of them is a sex question. One of them is not. Okay. Would you, do you think that your experience with the podcast has actually changed your views on sex kink or anything actually? Like, do you approach sex differently because of the podcast? Yeah, I think I have to be way more careful with new partners, actually, which is like a side effect that I did not foresee because I've learned so much and now and I'm so enthusiastic and so like curious to try stuff. And most people in the regular world who I've met on dating apps or who I crash into just by happenstance, you know, they've maybe spent a fraction of the time thinking about sex that I have, you know, so this thing that started as me being like, I'm going to figure this thing that I'm not that great at out. Like I'm going to figure out communication. I'm going to figure this out. And then like when I felt like I started to figure it out, then I was like, I have to tell everyone and everyone needs to have access because they, we all deserve transcendent orgasms. And now I'm embarking upon like more structured research for myself. So I'm like, looking into scholarly articles and I'm going to figure out how to organize and share that information. And I'm like researching all these different topics that I've always been curious about. But even just through my primary research, anecdotal research, through talking to people like you, like I've learned so much and I think so much about frameworks around sex that it is much more difficult for me to show up anywhere and be like, yeah, let's just fuck, you know, Especially because I'm a kinky submissive and I've had a couple friends recently like reach out to me to kind of like see if I want to be their sexual partner. But I'm just like, well, in theory, yes. But like, do you want to try to woo me or make me interested in you as a sexual being? Or like, are you really like, and so that's the part where I get baffled then because I'm like, huh, nobody that I talk to like tells me stories about people that just say like do you want to have sex now and then you say yes and then you start having sex like nobody has shared a story like that and so maybe those are just details that get left out but I think you know my research has maybe led me to a funny pattern of overthinking and so I'm trying to like find the wiggly spot in the middle and not overthink everything but also like the times where I was like you know what you are overthinking of it. You don't, you've had two conversations with this boy about safe sex. And even though he's still trying to fuck you in the ass without a condom and you have to like reassert that boundary again, like that's okay. That's fine. But that's how I got herpes in my throat because like I made a concession to try to be regular. And so I think I'm, uh, you know, just as confused, if not more confused as when I started and, and also like having a wild time. And it's just been so great to talk to people because I think the more I talk to people too, the more I'm like, it's okay if I don't get fucked as much as I want, because the times where I am fucking are so wildly amazing that I'm just so happy. And so I'm like, all right, quality over quantity. And then like, maybe together we can create a world where the sex parties of my dreams can exist and we can all, you know, have a nice, safe, wild time. Yeah, I love that. Actually, <laughs> I had another question. Have you 
ever been able to try something sex-wise or otherwise that you know you heard from someone you interviewed like has have they ever opened up a new interest or a kink for you oh man probably okay well there are lots of things that i haven't tried yet and part of that is because of the pandemic like i still have not got my toe pulled while coming that's something i want i still have not i haven't tried any sort of sounding stuff although i'm curious about it because i like sensations Okay, I can't remember what the specific position is right now, but I did try. There was a guest back in February who talked about a very specific position that he enjoys when getting his ass eaten out. And so I did try that with my master and that was great. And what else have I tried or not tried? This is a really good question. I actually think I need to be more uh, researchy about this and go back and like, look, but I absolutely get like daily inspirations from the people that I hear from all the time. And then I'm also just kind of like living in turn on a lot, which is like, I'm sure you can relate to this if you are a constantly horny person, like, it, like, because there's like a part of me that just has to like squoosh it down or not squoosh it, but just be like, you're not the star right now. Like, this is not the time to be your like full, open, submissive, sexual, enthusiastic, wants to put her mouth all over everything self like she that's not for today, you know, so um, I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed. I will have to do some thinking and get back. That's a great question. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I really like that answer. A comment that I have is that I think it's really great that you're getting something back from doing the podcast. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I think that you put out so much by creating an environment of learning stuff just by talking to people. And it's nice that you get something back from it as oh, well. Oh, I love it. I, I get so much happiness and joy. I get so I get so happy. Oh, you know what? Sorry, I just had it drop into my head. Me staring down the path of like learning to become a dominatrix, even if I don't do it professionally, like that was fully born out of my conversations with Jez and who else did I talk to during that time? There was like a series of conversations. Jez is definitely one where I was like, oh, wait, maybe I too could enjoy being a dominant person uh, playing this dominant character, like basically understanding the power of the connection between like being a submissive and a dominant and like being in service as a dom. I was like, oh, that's an option. I can do that. So, yeah, I'm constantly learning from people. And it's honestly just I know that we can't all connect by fucking each other, obviously, but like talking about fucking each other truly is one of my favorite ways to connect. Like, it's such a human thing, and I feel like I just get to know people's personalities, like, right away, and it makes me so happy. That's so great. Also, you, you said a thing that reminded me of a, a concept that I just, I love so much just within sex. It's being a power bottom. Not, not just for me, but, like, for anyone. The concept of power bottom is just so hot to me. Yeah. And I feel like I forgot to mention that. Fuck yeah. Oh, I love it. Mara, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you so much for having this conversation. It was great.